to uh, mention a few things here about uh, Bishop uh, Felipe Salazar. Uh, he was ordained as a minister in 1984. Uh, in 1993, he uh, uh, was appointed as a pastor uh, uh, of Second Church uh, in San Pedro, and in 1998 as the pastor of Hosanna Apostolic Church. Um, after serving uh, eight years as a district tre treasurer, he was elected as a bishop supervisor of the Los Angeles district. Uh, and then uh, after subsequent to that, he served as the general secretary, uh, the vice president. And in November uh, 2022, he was elected the 12th president of the Apostolic Assembly. Um, very, we're very privileged to have someone of your caliber uh, speaking to our listeners here in this podcast. Amen. And, uh, and hopefully that gets them acquainted a little bit about uh, who you are in the many years, really, that you've served in ministry and in the kingdom right. of God right. um, and things. I, I did send you a, a, a list of questions to kind of prepare us yeah. uh, for, for this conversation. And, and, uh, and really the first question is to get us acquainted with your story. Um, uh, the first question has to do with the first moments of your life in ministry. And if you could, uh, could you describe uh, some significant landmarks uh, that helped define your call in, and your passion, especially in the first part of, of your ministry and involvement in the kingdom yeah. of God? Well, um, that's a great question. I, I've got a I've got, well, let me say it this way, that I think in my mind, ministry begins with the call to be a Christian, right? And so I was ordained in 1984. I was a deacon in our church, which is a, a, a free ministry position prior to entering into ordained ministry, kind of test to see if you're, you know, got what it takes, uh, the calling and whatnot. To, to be a minister, yeah, but in '84 I was I was ordained to the ministry. I, I think ministry, the calling to ministry, starts way before that. Though mm -hmm. I, I I I've thought a lot about that. I remember when I was in Bible college in St. Paul, Minnesota, that uh, sometimes you know college Bible students would get into discussions about yeah. you know your calling and when God called you and how right. He called you and all that. And there were some kids that had pretty dramatic stories mm. about you know, when God spoke to them or through some crisis or, you know, in prayer, fasting, hearing the voice of God, and, you know, I want you to preach or, um, and those were impressive stories to me, but, but, um, I could never really identify with those stories because okay. my calling to ministry has, has not had a very clearly defined moment where God spoke to me wow. and said, I want you to be a minister. Yeah. It's been more of like a developing passion hmm. and direction in my life. And so my story is a little bit different, I think, than, than, than some. Um, although I think that, that it's going to ring true for a lot of people that are either in ministry or entering ministry. So when I, when I first started hearing the stories from my friends and others about how God had called them to ministry, I wondered about my call, you know, yeah. because I didn't have those clearly defined moments when God distinctly called me to be a minister. I've never doubted the fact that I'm called to be a minister, a pastor, a leader in the church. Um, I'm clear about the fact that he has. And, and I think that my life is 
proven that God has given me that calling, that gift, yeah. and those gifts. But, but here, so I, I've had to kind of go back to the scriptures and and rationalize that in my mind, or at least justify my experience through the scriptures and uh, see if see if my experience was right. Mm. And what I found, I think, is that the call to ministry is the call to become a son of God or a Christian. Yeah, that's the call because. We're all called to serve, right? And so when we talk about the the years that we've been called, I know that you're talking for ordained ministers. Or yeah, yeah. I, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Young men that are already on their on their um uh you know journey as yeah. ministers, ordained ministers of the church. But I think that the the call to ministry begins way before that. Yeah. I think about, for example, the apostle Paul, when when was he called to be a minister? Mm. And I think that it was on the way to Damascus. Mm. I, I, that's the dramatic moment or the moment where, like, okay, no question about it. God is, is speaking to this man Saul, and yeah. and uh, and you know he hears a voice of God, and and it's 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 without controversy that that's the moment that God puts His call on him. Of course, yeah. later on, you know, Ananias is going to come to his house. He's going to lay hands on him and tell him the things that he must suffer for the kingdom of God and everything else. Yeah. But I think the moment he was called to be a minister, you know, Romans 1.1 says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, mm. separated unto the gospel of God. That calling, I think, happened on the way to Damascus. Yeah. And it does for every one of us. And in that interim, from the moment when we're called to be Christians, which is a call to service, God gives us all the gifts yeah. and he gives us everything in seed form yeah. so that the pastor that I'm going to become, the teacher that I'm going to become, mm -hmm. the leader that I'm going to become, the minister that I'm going to become for the Lord yes. is all already in me in seed yes, form. Yes, yes. I'm needing to be taught. Yes. I'm needing to be counseled. I'm needing to be led. Yes. And still the gifts are all in me. Yeah. They're needing to be developed. They're needing to be, to be cultivated. And yeah. so, that's the moment that that the calling in my mind anyway happens and then as we go on in ministry and our encounters with christ are growing in the knowledge of the word of god and everything else that happens to us in ministry is just the developing yeah. of those gifts and those abilities right. that god gave us when he called us yeah. when we were saved wow um when i think back to my life about the call i there's two incidents that kind of stand out in my mind and one of them definitely is a call. The other one, maybe yes, maybe no, because yeah. I was always searching for that moment where, you know, God spoke to me and said, son, right. I, I want you to be a, a minister. <laughs> and the best that I can find in my mind, if that's the experience is even prior to being saved, I was a young kid, maybe about nine, 10 years old. And we were going to, I was going to pick up the offering at a, a children's um, sector service. Okay. And uh, I remember that at that time, my dad, who was a pastor and a minister, um, picked me up. We had a station wagon where the, the back seat faced towards the back of the road. You know, it didn't face towards the front, face towards the back. My dad picked me up out of the thing, and he whispered into my ear, says, my son, when you grow up, he says, you're going to be a minister of the Lord. Yeah. And I mean, that, I never forgot that. I forgot. I'm, I, wow. I don't retain a lot of things. Yeah. But I never forgot that as a young child. You know, maybe it was because I was so scared about what I was about to do. Mm. But it stuck with me. Maybe there. But the the if you're asking me about calling to be a minister, 
the absolute clearest moment that I have in my mind, no, no question about it, when I had any, in any real sense, a call from God was when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, which was, which was on the handlebars of my brother's stingray. Okay. That's another story. Wow. But, okay. It but, sounds um, <laughs> like an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's where God really spoke to me okay. and, uh, and called me to be a son. I got baptized the next Sunday, gave my yeah. life to the Lord. Wow. I remember the message. Don't remember much. I just remember that when I got to church, I was already feeling the weight of my sins on yes, me. Yes. And uh, and that day I gave my life to Christ. Wow. Um, but I, I think that that's the beginning of it all. And I think the reason for that is because from the moment that we're saved, from the moment that God redeems us, he's already given us the gifts. And it's our job just to always do this one thing, try mm. to find ourselves in the will of God. Yes. From the point from the point where God calls you to be a Christian, yeah. which is to serve, to the moment where you are, you have fully blossomed in yes. whatever ministry God has given to you. The road, whether difficult or easy, challenging, whatever it might be, to that place is called the will of God. Yeah. And so throughout our journey to whatever the full blossoming or the fulfillment of our ministry is going to be in its in its in its greatest in its greatest sense we have to do one thing between the beginning and the full realization of our ministries and that is just be in the will of god yeah so that the will of god isn't something that i'm postponing someday i'm going to be a minister all right someday i'm going to be a pastor okay. someday god is going to do this that, yes. that's going to be the will of god i'm going yeah, to get future. to the place where i'm right where god wants me to right. be no when God's gifts in you are, are in seed form yeah. and you're developing those gifts mm -hmm. at that moment, mm -hmm. as you're developing those gifts, as you're learning scripture, as you're submitting to the authority of your pastor, as you're following, as long as you're in the will of God, you're right where God needs you to be. The will yeah. of God is a present thing. It's not a future. Yes. Thing. Yes. And so, so I think that when we talk about God's calling and, in our lives, it, for me anyway, that's where it begins. It begins the moment that God called me. And since then, I've had no clear, like, yeah. moment where God has said, I want you to be a minister. Right, yeah. It's just been this, it started off with this growing desire to know the scriptures in Sunday school. Yeah. And uh, and I knew that I was going to go to Bible college, so I went, I went to ABI for one year, dedicated one year of my life just to scriptures. And I came back. And um, and 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 uh, took my job that I they gave me a year's sabbatical on and and came back and helped my mom. You know, my mom had a house full of kids and uh, and are working to help out my mom with the finances and everything else was really important for us. So came back, did that and then just got involved in youth ministry in our local church. And from there, just, you know, God began to to develop our leadership and everything else. Yeah the 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 gifts that God had given to me that were in seed form, if I can describe them as that, began to develop through the different ministries and experiences that I had within youth ministry. Yeah. And finally that you know developed in in a, a deaconship in our church. Deacons are usually deacons for two years. I went four years, you know. Yeah. And after four years I became a minister. And uh so it was it was um it was a little bit of a different uh, uh, experience for me, at least regarding my calling and the uh, to ministry. Now, after I became ordained, um, 
1984. It's going to be about another, you know, eight years before I'm going to become a pastor. Yeah. But during that time, I'm in the local church. I'm serving my pastor. Yeah. I'm directing Sunday school. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm just being a faithful, loyal minister to that man. I remember sometimes I'd sit there and I'd think about, man, I think that if I were pastor, my pastor then was Brother Calderon. If I was the pastor, I, I, I think I'd do things this other way. And I had my ideas about how to, mm-hmm. in my mind, you know, right. it, there That's was probably good. just immature ideas about how I was going to better what was going on in the local yeah. church and what I would do and what you I wouldn't would have do. Been in their shoes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, underlying all of that was just wait. Just stay in what God wants you to do. Yeah. Just be faithful. And eventually, when you get to that place of leadership, then you'll be able to be the one to make the directions and give the church the direction that it has. And I've, you know, throughout my ministry, first 10 years, uh, it was that. It was serving the local church. It wasn't being too concerned about what title, what position I had. Although in my pride, and I think it was that, I thought, you know, I think I could do a better job than that guy. And if, this guy right here, I think that if they give me a chance of doing that job, I think I could do a real good job. Right. And that was all human pride. I, yeah. I, I think it was. <laughs> but... But it was just being faithful and submissive yes, to your yes. leaders. And God God opens the doors that he needs to open. I don't have to open doors for myself because as long as I'm in the will of God, I'm on the right track. Yes. And ultimately, I'll end up exactly where God wants yes, me to be. Yes. So the first 10 years of my life were service in a local church, preaching whenever they invited me to preach in other churches, which was not very often. But I did that. And then... That's where God really began to develop my wow. teaching um, uh, gifts that are my primary gift in the church. Mm. I'm a pastor teacher. And uh, so, yeah, I, wow. just faithfulness to the yeah. local church. Yeah, you know, and, and some of the, the things that you said, I think, are going are gonna to help a lot of people because, I mean, how many young individuals are right now asking themselves, you know, well, my pastor says that I have a call. You know, my family says I have a call. People in the church say I have a call. But I've never heard that clear. An angel hasn't showed up yeah. on my doorstep. No. I yeah. haven't received a dream. What do I do with what others are seeing in yeah. me that I have not seen seen clearly? Yeah. That's a, a moment of tension in their lives. Absolutely. Things. What I would say is this, that every one of us, for most of us, I don't know. I think it's a common experience that every one of us have had that dramatic call from God. Mm. It's just that we're, we're thinking it's something else. Yeah, right. I mean, if you were to ask me, Brother Salazar, when did you hear the voice of God? When did God break you down? When did God call you without a shadow of a doubt? Now, it's the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's the day that I broke down in the altar yeah. and told God, I give you my life. Right. I give you my future. I surrender myself to you. That's the great dramatic moment of mm-hmm. my of my life. It's my call to ministry. Yeah, and every one of us have that right that experience. It varies, you know, the the all the details, but it's a common experience in that it was a a moment of brokenness. Yeah, it was a moment of surrender. It was a moment of saying, "I'm going to pursue Your will yes. wherever that leads me." Yeah. It may lead me to the door of the church. Or it may lead me behind a pulpit, or it may lead me to be a denominational leader. Yeah. Wherever that leads me, I just I'm surrendering myself right. to your will. I think that's the most important thing that's it. that we can do as 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 children of God 
And as young men that are in ministry, you know, if you're already an ordained minister or in, in ministry in any official manner, the best thing you could do for yourself is to say, I'm here. Yeah. I want to serve you. And whatever you want me to do and wherever you want me to go, if that's to be stationed at a local church for the rest of my life, or if that's to be an evangelist and preach around the nation and the world, that's fine. Whatever it is you want me to do, I'm here to do that, Lord, because yeah. the best track for me is your will to wherever you want me to go. Yeah. You know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. I love this, 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 this concept that you had described about the seed that was yeah. placed in your life. Um, and I mean, there's so much that's going through my mind before I get into that, what you had mentioned at first with, uh, regarding, um, your giving your life to Christ, that being your call to ministry, it resonates, it resonates with me in that it seems that what we receive when we give our lives to Christ is not just salvation, but also a burden to be a representation of Christ. I need to be whatever Christ wants me to be, whatever God wants me to be. And it's that simple thing to say, God, whatever you want, that's, that's what I want to do. That is the essence and the core of ministry in the first place. Ministry is common to every believer. Mm-hmm. There's no minister, There's no person that's genuinely called of God right. that is called to be anything other than a minister of the Lord. Yeah, and that's in whatever area or capacity or gifting that God has given to you specifically. Yeah. So, our the the idea that there is this category of minister or, or of the Lord that that is officially acknowledged by the church or not is 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 I think it's an interesting idea. But it may not be the most biblical idea because I think that the most biblical idea is that if you're called, yeah. you're called to be a minister. Right. What we have to do is we have to clearly define what it means to be a minister of the right. Lord. Right. I remember years ago going to a seminar. I won't mention the pastor's name, but one of his his phrases was that ministers or talking about ordained ministry are the administrators of the church and the members are the ministers of the church. And I think there's something really important to that. In fact, if we look at Ephesians chapter four where the Bible talks about the fourfold ministry, the fivefold ministry it talks about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teachers, the fourth one. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the fifth and the greatest of all the ministries is the, is the lay ministry. Yeah. That's the most powerful of all the ministries. When we look at those ministries, we think in terms of hierarchies, we think in terms of right. apostle, then prophet, yeah, yeah. you know, of course the most coveted ministers the other. Yeah. are the apostle, prophet and everything else. Wow. But that's not the way it is. Right. Everyone's given a ministry. And if you look at that text, the way that at least I've come to understand it, and, and some, um, some uh, um, uh, theologians have said that it is, it's, it's apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher is one ministry. Mm. And then you have these four that are the enabling and, capa- and the ones that, 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 um, that equip, equipping ministries to release the greatest ministry in right. the church, which yeah. is the lay ministry. The people. That's mm. the fifth element. Or the 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 fifth ministry that has the greatest potential, always has had, mm. for releasing the power of God, yeah. for evangelizing the world, for for reaching entire nations. It's it's in the lay ministry that mm. the greatest potential, because that's where excuse me, that's where most of the people are, yeah, and that's where most of the giftings of the church reside. Right, the gifts of the Spirit of God they reside there. So. We, we, we need to look at ministry not as a hierarchical thing. You know, yeah. we're ordained ministers. 
well, that's, that's honorable and that's fine. But in my mind, the way that I've come to understand this, let's turn this thing around. The only reason that the apostle, the, the, uh, the, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher exists is to release the potential of the church mm. so that the church can become the greatest, yes. most powerful living organism yes. that there is in the world today. Yeah. And you know what happened during Constantine that got turned around. Inverted, yeah. So that in apostolic, genuine, true apostolic ministry in the book of Acts, what we have is precisely that the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and teachers uh, equipping people for the work of the ministry. And then the people working ministry throughout the whole week, gathering together to worship in the temple and in the homes, they are doing the work of the ministry. Well, who's doing the work of the mm -hmm. ministry? The, the, the ministers of the church, which is the laity of the church. Mm -hmm. We ever get that right. And not think in terms of man, mm. someday I want to be yeah. rather this is the place that God has given me. Yeah. How can I maximize the potential of the place and the giftings to whatever level they're developed that God has given to me in this moment? Man, everything turns around. Right. And the church becomes this dynamic, powerful, vibrant force in our communities yes. and in our yes. nations and in our world yes. that totally transforms what the church is like. Right, right. We, we have a tendency to create superstars in the church yes and that's all a hierarchical mindset mm. it's not meant to be that way yes. the greatest evangelists are supposed to be the ones that are reaping in the people and establishing local churches and yes. and empowering people wow. the pastor teacher through mm. the gift of teaching is the one that is supposed to be building up the yeah. body so that it's able to do the work of the ministry everything all of the the the, the equipping part of the body of christ is for the purpose of releasing the church's potential yeah. not so that the lay ministry looks up and says that's what i want to be right 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 but so that the lay ministry looks at at itself and says what has god given me and yes. what how am i to use these gifts now so that the so that i can become a a giver so that I can become a servant, a slave, as Paul said it, yes. of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God can grow. Yeah. I'm not going to wait for the moment that I become ordained. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to wait at all. I'm going to ask myself, what has God given me now right. and how can I use that? And so I think that for ministers in the first 10 years, it should be about faithfulness. Yes. It should be about where am I right now in the kingdom of God? And how can I best serve in the place that I am? It should yeah. be nothing more than that. Yeah. And if we can all do that, and if the the equipping uh, members of the body of Jesus Christ, which in, for most of it's the pastor teacher, we all have pastors. If his perspective is my job is to, to identify the gifts, to help these gentlemen and these young ladies and these people identify their gifts and then teach them how to, Work in the gifts that yes. God has given to them and thereby releasing the power of God in them. If that's how pastors are looking at their people, everything changes. We're yeah. not holding back young men that have great potential. Yes. We're empowering them and releasing Encouraging them. them. Yeah. We're we're at we're working in a way that that really empowers mm -hmm. the body mm -hmm. so that the work of ministry is done in its greatest potential. Wow. 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 So much there that, that we can unpack here. It, and and it truly is an inversion. It truly is an inversion because 
by nature humanity we do look up we do look to the most notable to the most visible and saying i want to be like that um and i'm i'm thinking back to the epistles themselves that's the very focus of the apostles right they yeah. say look i'm i'm here to instruct you i'm not going to you for my sake i'm going to you to travel to your city the apostle paul says i desire to go to you for your sake that you would be everything that that you can be um and uh it is lay ministry focused certainly and it seems like the churches that are growing immensely have that in mind to say the bible studies that you do in your home not the pastor praying for the sick in the church but the families praying for the sick out there in the world in the in the grocery stores in the schools that is what ends up expanding the kingdom of God in an exponential way no question rather than waiting to come on Sunday for somehow ministry to only happen on one day of the, the week. Yeah, there's no question about it. Acts chapter 5 says it very clearly. In the temple and in the homes, every day they cease not to, to, to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Mm. That is not just an organized service in the temple. It's every member every day doing the work of the ministry. The greatest churches in the world today and the greatest churches throughout history um, uh, in the apostolic era and in this time certainly are the churches that are enabling the lay member of the church to do the work of the ministry. Yes, We, we call them cell groups. We call them small groups. We call them life groups. Whatever you want to call it doesn't matter. The, 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 the churches that are, that are growing exponentially as you said are the churches that are enabling the people to use the gifts that god has given to them it's huge so listen for that one to ten year period where young men are growing in their ministry what i would advise them to do or my counsel them to them would be is serve mm. that's what ministry is all about that's it wherever you are and whatever gifts you've been given like jesus said if you're faithful in the little if you do the very best job if you're excellent at what you're doing your God is going to promote you to the next level of ministry. Yeah. And I think it's about that. It's not about, it's not about um, getting to the next level. It's not about right. getting that next recognition. Mm -hmm. It's not about getting that next title. It's not about any of that. It's about being the very most powerful servant you can be mm -hmm. and um, an effective servant Amen. you can be for the church. Amen. You know, Amen. Christ. You know, this leads right into another question that I had for you is, is uh, many times uh, a tendency for young ministers, you know, and, and I hear in, even in your, your uh, expressions of your beginnings when you would say, well, if I were in that role, I could do that better. Yeah. And if I, yeah. if I had the opportunity, you know, to, to, uh, to take up the offering in this conference, then I would do it really yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Uh, young ministers tend to compare themselves to others and then as a result sometimes feel left behind or perhaps feel uh, the they have the feeling that they need to catch up to other people that seem to be ahead of them or had doors opening for their lives because yeah. of who they know and they're out there networking and they're out with they're wanting to take pictures or be seen around other people to expand their their profile uh so to speak uh, uh, you know, you know, in 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 your understanding, what are some some problems? And you've hit on uh, some of this already. But uh, what are some problems that are inherent uh, with 
that tendency that many times young ministers may have towards yeah. com comparing themselves. Right. Well, I always say there's two perspectives there. First of all, there's the human perspective, which is, okay, you're a Salazar. Mm. So because you're a Salazar, you grew up with an advantage. Yeah. Or whatever the name might be in your yeah. denomination. Salazar is not a big name in our denomination. My experience has been there was a president in our church, Lorenzo Salazar, that was a Salazar. And a question that I often get is, are, are you, you related? related to Brother Lorenzo? Yeah. And my answer is no, I'm not yeah. related to him at all. It's a different, it's a different Salazar. I'm mm. second generation apostolic. My dad was converted to the gospel. My mother was were the first ones converted to the gospel. And so I don't have any any advantage per yeah. se uh, because we're generationally apostolic or because we've got this name that everybody acknowledges. Whenever they think about Salazar, they're thinking about the wrong Salazar. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not that thing or that 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 uh, that group of, of individuals, which, you know, he did. A, he, he did a wonderful job leading our church. Yeah. So I think there's two perspectives. There's a human perspective is that, man, you were born with a silver spoon in your right. mouth. Right. You know what? You were really born with an advantage because you're a bishop's son, because you're one of our national leaders, son, because you're a pastor's son. That's an advantage. And that's, I, I'm not going to say there's not any, any, any uh, credence to that, any truth to that. There may be some truth to right, that. Right. But there's a more important perspective yes. than that, and that is God's perspective. Yes. And in God's perspective, we all start off at the same place. Yeah. We don't end up in the same place because all of yeah. our callings and our ministries are different. But we, we start off at the same place. Right. It's as children of God, with the gifts that God has given to us, and the end run there, whether I'm going to be a bishop mm. or a, a supervisor or a pastor or a minister or a deacon in the church, whatever, or teacher in the church, whatever that is going to be at the end of the day. We all start up exactly where God wants us to start off. And I think what we need to do is we need to take our eyes away from all the political kind. That's yeah. probably not the best way of putting it, but mm. the, the, the natural way of looking right, 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 at right ministry mm. and we need to say okay for whatever god gifted me and for whatever god gave me i'm exactly yes. in the right place i have all of the advantages that i need yes i have all of the gifting that i need yes. in order to get to where god has designed for me ultimately to be and so i i i think that's the way it is for me again you know i i i i'm second generation apostolic you know, I I was not widely known when I started my ministry in the, in the church. Um, there were obviously other uh, people in the church that were you know four, five, six generations apostolic. You know, go all the way back to Azusa Street, and they may have had an advantage. But at the end of the day, who rules this church? Yes, that's right. Whose church is yes, this? Who yes. is the one that determines our destiny and yes. marks the way that we're going to go? Mm -hmm. And as long as I keep myself within the will of God, right. within the confines of God's will, I, I'm certain I'm going to get precisely to yes. where God wants me to be. I don't have to push. Yes. I don't have to make my way. I don't have to ask. In fact, one of the interesting things about my life is that I'm a little stubborn. And I look at the Bible and I get a little bit of encouragement from it because, because a lot of the men of God that that were in ministry, let's not that I'm comparing myself to them. I certainly am not anywhere close, but if you're talking about Moses or you're talking about Jeremiah 
or you're talking about these other great men of God that did something uh, important for God, they're always like fighting God's will. You know, it's kind of like Gideon. Okay, you know what? But I'm the smallest in my tribe. And yeah. My tribe is the smallest of all of the nation. Yeah. And, and I, why, why are you even thinking about me? You know, how are you calling me a, a great man of valor? That and Moses saying, you know, I, I'm not very good at talking. Don't worry about it. I, I've got someone here that's going to help you out. It, it's it, That's kind of been my story. So when it was to be, a, which is the initiating point for ministry in our church, officially, when I was called to be a deacon, I didn't want to be a deacon. My pastor said, nope, you're going to be one. When it came to ordination after four years, two years is the term, that most people go up to be a minister after that. I said, no, I, after four years, my pastor came and told me, brother, you're gonna, we're going to move you up toward this. I said, no, 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 I'm good. Two yeah. more years will help me out. Yeah. I've always kind of thought that. When it came to be pastor, I told my wife, I don't know that I want to be a pastor until I'm 45 because I think in my ignorance that an elder really needs to be an elder, yeah. not a young fellow, you know, ignoring the story of Timothy and and um, first and second Timothy. Right. Uh, but... I had my my ideas, but I was kind of always pushing back. I was wanting to just do my my thing my way, and I think that for me the lesson I don't know if that's the right way to go about it, but for me the lesson is this: if God wants you here, right, He's sovereign, yeah, right. You can push and buck and everything else; He's going to get you there, yeah, somehow or another. Yeah, you don't have to push, and you don't have to make your way. He's going to make the way yeah. for you to get there. Yeah. So. So are there people that are ahead of us? Yeah, but but uh, that have a, 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 um, naturally an advantage over us because right. they're born into a certain family, perhaps. Yeah. But don't worry about that because it's and God that's God. in control of the that's church. It. On the other hand, I'm more concerned about kids that came up in a ministerial family mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that are saying like, you know what, I, I don't want to be a minister just because my dad's a minister. Mm, right. And, and I don't want to be, a, 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 you know, have to enter into into this calling. You, they've seen their dad and yeah. and their ministries and some of the struggles that they're in ministry. They made up their mind, you know, that's not what I want. Yeah. And not just because there's an expectation that I'm going to do it. Yeah. Do I want to end up in that track? And there's yeah. a lot of kids that are kind of really pushing hard that's against God and saying, mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do that. They're looking at the advantage as a disadvantage. They're taking it as a disadvantage, and right. they're walking away from that, saying, "If if if the reason I'm going to be in ministry is because I've got this advantage, I want nothing to do with right. that." They're right. trying to find their own way. Yeah, and uh, so it can work for you. It can work against yeah. you. You know, yeah. having that that upper hand as yeah. some people see it. But no, yeah. I think that what we have to keep our our minds and our hearts on is that this is the Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And as long as you keep yourself centered on on Jesus' will, yeah. on God's will, you're going to do fine. Yeah. It, I don't care who stands in your way and what obstacles you have to overcome. Yeah. You can you're going to end up where God wants yes. you to be. Yes. I would have never imagined in my wallet. I wanted to be a pastor as a young fella. I um I remember that it began to grow in me this desire as as I was uh, in Sunday school and I was learning from my my teacher my brother Ralph Carrillo is is very influential man in my in my life and ministry. He was my teacher as a Sunday school uh, teacher and learned from him. Lo learned to love the Word of God, and as that began to grow me, then an interest in teaching, and then in preaching, and all of those things began to develop in me. I mean, it's it's it. We we 
I don't know how we got it, but we got the key to the church and we'd get into the church when no one's there, we'd preach and yeah. do all those kinds of things. It, it, was, it was this developing kind of desire that I had in me that eventually led to where God wanted me to be. And God will get you there. Yeah. Don't be discouraged. If you're yeah. 10 years of ministry, you're still in your local church and you're, you're still you know, doing whatever your pastor wants you to do, just yeah. keep praying, keep That's seeking it. the Lord, keep looking for God. God is going to open the doors that no man can shut and yeah. he's going to shut the doors that no man can open. Yeah. You're going to do fine. Right. Just be faithful to the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Talking about how, um, how society might, uh, might be affecting us in this, in this very, yeah. um, very subject. I know in my personal life, this is something that I, I, I had to overcome and learn what true humility was yeah. uh, it, when it comes to the call of God and trusting in God and the will of God and just simply be at peace with being where God wants you to be. Coming from a certain city, it was predominantly Hispanic. And the youth culture within that city, within that high school, it was almost indoctrinated in me that if you are a certain race and you have certain amount of money, yeah. you have privileges and you have advantages sure. that you as a Mexican-American uh, born of a Mexican immigrant, you do not have. Yeah, yeah. And that wherever you go, you're going to be judged and you're mm. going to be looked down upon because yeah. of your accent, because of your looks, because of your... And that mentality in me made me very fearful. Mm. It may be fearful to go to certain restaurants in certain cities, mm. right? I lived in the in the uh, Central Coast, and I knew that uh, Watsonville, that's where the Mexicans were. They were the field workers. They were the people. Who, I mean, in the plaza, you had all the elders walking there in the weekends. and and But Santa Cruz, that was where the rich people were. Yeah. And, and I would be afraid to walk into these restaurants and afraid to walk into government buildings because I felt like, I didn't belong there because I didn't have the name, the look, the language, the accent. I didn't have the vocabulary. And really, uh, the consequences of that mindset was yeah. something that the Lord challenged sure. when I first started sure. to understand that it is God. The doors that God opens, no man can shut. Yeah. And the doors that God shuts, no man can yeah, open. Right. And if you truly believe that the Lord is the Lord of your destiny, then no one can stop you from where God wants to take you. Also, that also means that you shouldn't try to force yourself into places where God doesn't want you. That's true. What is true humility? Hum true humility isn't simply, uh, you know, oh, I'm not willing to do that. Oh, that's, you know, humility is says, I'm willing to be wherever God puts me. If it's on a pulpit, then it's on the pulpit. If it's on a street corner teaching Bible studies, sure. it's on a street corner. Sure. And I'm willing to do anything and everything that right. God has, you know, in, right. in my life. Well, that's what Paul teaches us, right, in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, yes. who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, mm. but made himself of no reputation. So that's key. If anyone in human history right. should have thought himself to be something should have should have presented himself as a someone it was christ yeah and he was the humblest of servants and so yeah i i, I think that that our responsibility as you said and i agree with what you're what you're what, you know what you just said and that is that 
as long as we keep ourselves humble before the Lord and don't think of ourselves as deserving anything in particular, we just want to serve. That's it. God is going to open the doors that he yes. needs to open. That's it. It's the safest place to be. Amen. He, he served. And, and if you look at the life of Jesus, it isn't like, like this. His ministry is not going up. Right. <laughs> He's always in the will of God, but it seems like it's kind of like going down, down, down. Yeah, yeah. To the point where the disciples are shocked at, at the things that he's saying. You know, they're going to take me prisoner. They're going to take my life. Three days later, I'm going to repent, uh, rather yeah. resurrect. They don't get the resurrection part. They just get that you're going to be crucified. They, they're having nothing to do with it. Everything just seems to be falling apart, and it falls apart as far as they're concerned. But it wasn't that. It's the kind of humility that God needs ultimately to, to bring glory to himself mm. through, our ex, through the exaltation of well, let me just maybe not the exaltation of ourselves, but through the lifting up of ourselves because of our humility. Right. And God is going to lift up men. I, yeah. No question about it. God needs to lift up men. Mm-hmm. But He always does it if we're humble. Yeah. The greatest ministries are 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 the men that are humbly serving God. Let me tell you this and put it this way: that I don't care where you came from and what your skin color is, yeah, and what your background is, and whether you're affluent or not affluent. Um, whether you're quote unquote successful or not successful, yeah. If you're an anointed man, yes, everybody's looking for the anointing. Amen. If you can preach with the power of God, yes, if you're connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, yes. I don't care where you go. No one is going to deny what God has given to you. Hallelujah. And if you're in a place with God where the Spirit of God is flowing and where yes. the, the working of God is present in yes. your ministry, that in of itself is going to open doors. Not who you are. Yeah. Not what your name is. Yeah. And so get in the face of God. Yes. Get anointed. Yes. Cultivate to its maximum whatever gifts God has given to you. Yes. It's the gifting that's going to open the door, not Amen. the name. Amen. It's the gifting, the anointing that's going to open the door, that's not it. anything else. And so get in the presence of the Lord yeah. and fill yourself with His Spirit. Yes. And be used by God in the best way that you can. And yeah. no one will be able to close doors. If someone closes the door here, God will open the door over yeah. here. Yeah. It's the Lord that's in control of the yes. church. And so I, I you know, don't don't surrender. Yeah. If all of the doors that you want it to be open, don't don't throw it down and say, Well, no, no opportunities are right, opening right, up for right, me. Right. Get in the face of God. Yes. Talk to God about yes, that. Yes. Take the time yes. to know the word, to 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 be in the presence of God. To receive that anointing of the Lord, the day is gonna come. Yeah, <laughs> where even the guys that closed the doors on you are gonna say, "Well, we we've gotta we've, we've gotta open the door for this yeah. fella." Yeah, because obviously God is God's using him. Something. So yeah. when God exalts you, yeah, like Je- Jesus was exalted by by the Father. When God exalts you, no one is gonna be able to yeah. put you down. Yeah, there's a moment where everyone acknowledged this Christ is 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 lord of all and every knee is going to bow to him but before you get there there's a whole lot of humbling yourselves and 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 Mm. going to the cross and and dying to yourself and all that that happens but there comes a moment where all of those closed doors are now open doors you are who you are you've entered the fullness of your ministry it happened in the ministry of jesus and in a very um, lesser manner, it happens in the ministry of everybody yeah. that serves Christ with yeah. humility. That's so yeah. good. Yeah, and to the to the individual with no name, 
this applies to them and the, to the individual who is a PK, a pastor's kid, a preacher's kid, a minister's yeah, yeah. kid. It applies to them as well. I would you know, say this. Sorry for the interruption. I would yeah, say no, let, let God make a name for you. Yes, Don't make a yes, name for yourself. Yes. yes. Let God open the doors. Yeah. Don't open the doors for yourself. Yeah. In fact, the less of me, the more of God. You I, know, the less of me I'm there, the more of God can, you no. know, let my name be erased in the history books. Let the name of Clearly. Jesus Christ be exalted. Exactly. You know, and, and, and you know, and it, the, um, uh, going back to what you said about preacher's kids who feel almost discouraged and saying, well, if these doors are opening just because I, I have a name, I don't want them. In, in my heart, in my mind, I say, you know, uh, uh, you don't get to choose what you do in God. You know what I mean? Just do what God has you to do, whatever that might be, and let the anointing move through you however you yeah. know, it, it, God wants to move through you. And I, I don't want people to look down on the fact that they were born into a specific family yeah. where there are, quote-unquote, advantages. Who placed you in that family? Right, right, right. It's the Lord. God does. Why all did He place well. you in that family? Hey, He knows why. You yes. just keep walking in God's will. Right. You're going to find out down the yes. road. Yes, yes. You've been called for such a time as this. And if you weren't born in a family mm. like that, okay, fine. Jesus was born in Bethlehem all of right. Judea. It's all a right. nothing city. It's all a right. Compton of, yeah. of, of 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 Los Angeles County. Right. It's 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 not the best place to be born. But great things come yes. out of places that everyone thinks, of course, never. Mm. And at the end of the day, when God lifts up a, a gentleman yeah. like that or a young lady like that, it's for his glory. God. It's so that people ask themselves, him? It's kind of like, God, you know, I, I think about these things. When I, when I came to pastor the church of Compton, um, one of the sisters told me later on that, uh, they the, the word got out to the Church of Compton that I was going to go pastor, and they said, "Who's going to come here?" Yeah, and they said, "Oh, Felipe Salazar, him? He's going to come pastor. <laughs> what qualifications does oh he have oh my, oh for my. pastoring this church? Oh you know, my. he doesn't even speak to people that yeah. well. Oh my! And so that was the reaction. But it doesn't mm. matter because it, it doesn't matter where you start off. Mm. No one knows your name, or yeah. if everybody knows your name. Yeah." Put your eyes upon Jesus. Yes. And if you keep your eyes upon him, then you think everything, whether I was born in anonymity or whether I was born with everyone knowing, oh my goodness, they, they had a son. Uh, whether I was born with great popularity or in that kind of a family. doesn't All of that was God's will yes. to accomplish his purpose down yes. the road somewhere. Yes. And what you've got to assure yourself is that yes. you're in the will of God and that you're anointed. Yeah. And that you're following God. Yeah. And that you're loving him. If you do that, hey, listen. It's God that moves this church. Mm. It's mm. not men. Yes. And that whole idea of being born into a certain family, having to be a certain race, you know, being poor in a certain part of town, having a certain kind of a house, right. certain kind of an income, that's a worldly way of yeah, thinking. Right. That is not Christian. Mm -mm. In the Christian way, everyone should strive to become what God wants them to be. That's it. And whether that lands you at the at the at the uh, door of the church, or that that lands you behind a pulpit, every one of us should say yes. glory to God. Amen. Praise Everyone God. has a place yes, in this kingdom. So I feel the Holy Ghost. Um, and and you know what's going through my mind right now are the individuals who are going to be listening to this, driving home from work, perhaps even driving to a service, getting up in the morning and listening to what we're saying. I feel God's going to touch their lives and. And remind them, you have significance in the kingdom of God. 
regardless of what others have say about, said about you, what even you have said about yourself or what you think about yourself, you have divine significance just by being in the will of God. Yeah. I'm going to say something that maybe I shouldn't say, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> and that is that, um, uh, I, I mean, I heard your po- podcast with Bishop Bernard. He's, he, in my mind, is like, uh, not that I shouldn't say that, I should, but he, in my mind, is like a, a gift to the church, right? Well, all leaders are. But, but he stands, I think, head and shoulders in our time for oneness Pentecostals because of his writings, because yeah. of his intellect and a lot of things. Okay. I'm not Dr. Bernard. I am almost the opposite of what he is. Okay. And um, as far as academically and, and in so many different ways, you know, uh, uh, who our family was in so many different ways. But I'm not troubled by that at all. Yeah. I... I, I think that the church has always needed Peters. Yes. And it's always needed Pauls. And 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 I think that that the church should 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 again look to God developing and cultivating and placing men where he needs them at the time that he needs them for yeah. whatever purpose yeah. that he needs them so that the kingdom of God is built up. Yeah. So that if 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 the qualifications for serving the Lord at a national level in our denomination or any denomination was to have degrees, I would have been disqualified a long time ago. Wouldn't yeah. even have qualified or yeah. to have a certain uh, a background. I would not have qualified. Yeah. But again, and, and I'll come to this again and again, what, what has become so evident in my mind is that God calls and places men where he needs them at the time yeah. that he needs yeah. them for whatever purpose he yeah. needs them. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Paul, servant of Jesus Christ, that word servant, doulos, which is slave, is central to Paul's identity and to the identity of every one of us. Mm. We are slaves of the mm-hmm, Lord Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. We're just here to do what he wants. That's it. What he asks us to do, and yeah. the very best at what he asks yeah. us to do. Yeah. And as long as that's our place, we're gonna do great. Yes. We're gonna do Jesus fine. Jesus name. Yeah. You know that 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 point makes me uh, reminds me that uh, you know I've always felt a hesitancy with you know, and not everybody in in the church, yeah, uh, but at least in different circles that I've been involved with, some have this fascination with education. At yeah. this time, yeah. within the oneness Pentecostal yeah, movement, and this sure. is multi-organizational. There's yeah. a fascination in certain people for degrees, sure. And certainly, there is an absolute benefit with being a student, with being a learner. Yeah. Uh, I think God has called us to be learners, uh, absolutely. But I take a step back when it feels like uh, having accolades of a diploma yeah. and these uh, these educational accolades. Uh, becomes the focus and it becomes the qualifying factor rather than the anointing and the power, the move of the Holy ghost that's supposed to be in an individual uh, when, when God has called them, you know, we cannot exchange our, our diplomas and our recognitions for our identity, our apostolic identity and, and, and things. Well, I think that, it's true that leaders must be learners, mm-hmm. lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. I think it's also true that there's different ways of of acquiring the knowledge that God needs you to, to acquire in order for you to be a leader. 
So there's people that go through the formal track, and I think that's admirable. In fact, if I had one thing to redo in my life, it would be emphasis on perhaps a more academic track. I think it would have helped me a lot for the position that I that I now hold. It would have made me a, a better leader. Um, there's people that choose that track, and God bless them, as long as you're in the will of God. Mm. If you, the will of God for you is right. school, it's university, right. it's seminar, it's seminary, it's it's a Bible college, then that's where you need to be. Yes. Not everyone's called to do that. Yes. The will of God has different avenues for getting us where he wants us to be. Yeah. For others of us, and I'll include myself in that in that group, there is learning, but through other means. It's learning um, through reading, which should be a passion for leaders because yeah. leaders must be learners. If they're not learners and they're not reading and learning and growing in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. reading the scriptures, knowing the scriptures, studying the scriptures, reading books that speak about the scriptures, yes. whatever else, you're learning, you're teaching yourself, you're learning from other teachers, maybe not in the academic track, but you're learning from others and you're a lifelong learner. That's enough for some people, for mm. others it is not. It would not have been enough for Paul. Paul was going to write half of the epistles, more mm -hmm. than half of the epistles. Mm -hmm. It was not going to be enough for Paul. He would never have written a Romans without the academic right. training that he had. We need the Pauls in yes. the church. Yes. And, uh, and Peter, when he writes his epistles, they're simpler. They're mm -hmm. not as complicated. They're very black and white. We need Peters. Yes. And so I think that, yeah, the church should never get caught up in just one track. Yes. This is the way it must be done. Yes. We must always keep ourselves open to, yeah. hey, if you're a learner and you're open to hearing the voice of God and, and being in the will of God and learning the scriptures and learning the word of God, then you're you're open. There are no barriers that the church is ever going to put up for you yeah. or that anyone is going to put up for you. Yeah. You get to wherever God wants you to be. That's yeah. where we want you to be. Amen. And so... As a denominational leader for myself, I think, okay, yeah, I could have, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do this one thing differently. I would do that differently because one of my passions is uh, apologetics. I love the defense mm -hmm. of the faith. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm a, kind of a, like a logical, systematic thinker. And so that would have been something that I would have done. But, but, you know, I didn't do it. So I put the passion into my son mm -hmm. and I put the passion into the kids that are around me. And I yeah. tell them, you guys got to do this. You, you've got to, you know, put a great emphasis on this. Learn as much as you can. Get as much schooling as you can. Go to university. Yeah. Go to, you know, Bible college. Go to seminary. Get as much as you can because it's just going to make you all the much better down the road. Yeah. I don't ignore the importance of that, but I don't think it's an essential because there's so many other avenues yes. that a person like myself can take to learn yes. and to grow in their knowledge yes. of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the scriptures. Amen. And that's been a passion for me in my life. I've wanted to know him and I've wanted to know the scriptures. Yeah. And as I've learned the scriptures and as I've grown in my knowledge of the scriptures and as I've grown in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and by, 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 by growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's knowing him, yeah. loving him, being passionate about him. I think that is those two things are the, the crucial are, are the essential elements of what, what we're to grow in, a knowledge of the scriptures, our doctrines, our teachings, and a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as a person. 
you have those two things and you mature in those two things, you're going to do great. If you're going to take the academic track, awesome. Learn as much as you can. Get as much understanding. Some people are called to be lawyers and doctors, and in that space, they're going to do a great job. But the one thing that must not be missing if you take the academic track is a knowledge of the Word of God, a deep knowledge of the Word of God, and a deep knowledge of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care where you go. Those are the essentials for growing in ministry and, and getting to the place that God wants you to be. You must know the Scriptures, and you must know the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever track you take, those things must be true of you Amen. in Amen. order for you to flourish in ministry. Amen. Um, one of the final questions I have here, um, I have this one and then a final one for you. Uh, it, and this was one that, that uh, I didn't give you ahead of time, so excuse okay. me if it That's catches right. you a little off guard here. Uh, I was thinking in the hotel room, praying and thinking about this, this conversation that we're going to have. And uh, something that came to my mind is that more and more, we have a lot of uh, first-generation apostolics who are just coming into the church uh, that come from broken homes. They come from backgrounds where they didn't have the, the foundation, the family foundation or the community foundation to teach them uh, basic, uh, basic resilience, human resilience. I'm thinking about the individuals who grew up with a, a single mother or a single father or no mother or no father at all, and they're coming in with great desire, but they didn't grow up with a mother and father telling them, do your homework, focus, sit down. Those are basic skills that many times we as Christians can carry into our walk with God, and they greatly help us. They're disciplines that greatly yeah. help us, yeah. but we have generations of apostolics who are fundamentally um they're lacking that they're lacking that 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 foundation of a community and of a family and and they're desiring to do great things sure. for god but they don't feel resilience in their heart they don't feel uh, that they can last they don't have the grit they feel like they don't have what it needs and what it takes uh what are in, in what you have seen in your experience what have you seen are some key things that they can do in the church, with the church community, you know, reading books, wh whatever it might be, what comes to your mind? What have you seen that helps these individuals cultivate right. that resilience that they should have had uh, otherwise? Right. You know? Well, let, let me just say this before I, I address that question. That is that in order for these people to succeed, the church must take on its role as a family. Mm. The church is a family. Mm. So for those people that are coming in from broken homes or didn't have mom and dad at home or both parents were gone or they'd had very, very dysfunctional yeah, homes. That's yeah. sometimes even worse yeah. where there was, you know, all kinds of stuff that happens in the home that's horrible. If you get somebody that comes into the church community that comes from that background, then what needs to happen is that the church must take on its role as a family. I mean, it's, it's incredible. You know, you have to teach people sometimes fundamental things like yes. how to wash. Yes. Yeah. Hygiene. Yeah. Um, just simple etiquette, yeah. how to treat people, how to, right. how to present themselves, how to, yeah, it's just such fundamental stuff because right. they come from such dysfunctional homes. Yeah. Before you start talking to them about disciplines, the church must take on its identity. A yeah. youth group must take on its identity as a family. Yeah. We are the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And when you come into this body, mm. you're coming into your new family. Yeah. And I could tell you stories about, you know, gentlemen, uh, brothers and sisters in, in our church that came precisely from those kinds of backgrounds, very broken homes. Um, you know, one parent was at home, very dysfunctional parent. Mm. And as a result, the children that later on came to the Lord Jesus Christ were super dysfunctional. And what it took is for their small groups, because we work in small groups in our church, their, their youth leaders to, to embrace them and to talk to them right. and say, hey, you got to start doing this. And, yeah. and it wasn't a very comfortable thing for them. Of course. And you guys, you have to do this and you got to start doing it. And you got to cultivate this, you yeah. know, wash, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, you have to, I, and I can go into more detail. I'm not going to do it, but yeah. just some super basic stuff. Right, right. And what really helped them was not what was in them. It was the church as a supplemental family for mm -hmm. those individuals. It was the church loving them. Yeah. It was a church accepting them, embracing yeah. them. When other people, because of their awkwardness or whatever, would kind of shoo them away. Yeah. They were loners. They walked off by themselves. They wandered by themselves. But the church embraced them yes. and loved them. Yes. And cared enough to tell them the things that they needed to yeah. hear. And then watched over them enough mm. so that we walked hand in hand with them yeah. in whatever journey they needed to take to get just the basic. Yes. And when they got the basic stuff and then move them on to the disciplines of their yeah, life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that that if the church sees itself in that role, if our our our, our youth departments or if, if their youth departments or small groups see ourselves in that role of really loving people and embracing people, genuinely loving people, then I think half of the battle's already won. Yeah. And obviously for these people that come into the church and they're, they're dysfunctional because their homes were dysfunctional. They don't know how to manage relationships and all that kind of stuff. I would say this. I would say that connect with a healthy young person if you're a young person. Mm. Connect with a healthy marriage couple if you're, if you're coming into the church. That's very difficult because in order for that to happen, the couples need to be taught. Yeah. You need to embrace somebody, right. take somebody in. Yeah. The young people need to That's be right. taught. When you got these people that come in like that, yeah. okay, we're going to need to embrace these things. Somebody's going to have to yeah. take them and mentor them. So I would tell them, find somebody. And the church, I would say, you need to be ready to embrace yeah. someone that needs help. There's that reciprocal kind of yes. uh, relationship between the needy individual that's coming into the church and the, the church member that's already established and, and has things kind of going. So... Yeah, get to get the basic stuff done. You know the scriptures, obviously. Uh, 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 your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ before anything else. The relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the other disciplines that need to be built. But if you don't have a church that's looking at itself the way that I've described, at least in part, you're going to be very. You're not going to be very successful in incorporating people. Yeah. People need to be loved. Yeah, and the church is a place where they should be loved. And yeah. whatever dysfunction there was in their homes, yeah. it was because of a lack of love and yeah. attention. Yeah. And so when they come into the church family, it's not just a pat on the back, we yeah. love you, brother. Hey, it's good to have you here. It's good to see you again this Sunday. Right. And then forget about them it's during the week. Yeah. It has wow. to be about really caring about people and, 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 and caring enough to get involved in their lives so that they're getting built up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm imagining the baby, the 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 toddler, right, who every day lives with their mother, their father, 
and one day they grab a toy and they throw it and it hits their cymbaline. And as a toddler, they hear the mother say, no, 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 we don't do that. The mother doesn't deny the toddler just because it just did something that was out of, out of, out of, uh, out of norm or out of ethics or, you know, you, they, the mother doesn't, and the father doesn't sit back and say, how dare you? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a baby and sure. it's going to do things where the, the family, which is, uh, you know, in, in, by metaphor, the community, which is the church every day is giving these almost micro adjustments to their life yeah. and say, well, you know, you got to do it this way. Oh no, do yep. it that way. You know? And, and we just are patient with each other sure. to mold each other, uh, uh mold that apostolic identity sure. that takes time uh, to, to form in people's yeah. lives. Um, I, I think that the church has a lot of work to do in those local churches have a lot of work to do in those, in those areas. Mm. I remember going once <laughs> as a young was I a pastor? I don't remember if I was a pastor or not, but I was a young minister. And I, I started going to small churches just to kind yeah. of see how they did business. Yeah. I think I was the pastor of the church over there in San Pedro at the time. Um, and I remember once, and I'd go into these churches, of Trinitarian or whatever, I don't know. I just stopped just to see how they treated people. I remember once going into a little church, a storefront church on, on, on PCH uh, in, in uh, Long Beach, Parked my car, went inside, sat in the back, you know, as a soul. And, uh, and, and of course, no one talked to you. Yeah. Except for this one sister. She must have been that, you yeah. know, that, that, you know, those sisters we have right, in every right. church. Yeah. They're just loving souls yeah. and they're just wanting people to be saved. And she was sat towards the front, yeah, good member. And so whenever it was time to sing, she would run to the back and, yeah. and, and have the hymn book open to the, to the page that I was supposed to be reading at, mm. singing from. And we, we'd sing and the song and I'd sing along and, and then when the song was over, she'd run back and take the book back and go sit down again. Yeah, wow. This happened about three or four times while the church was singing. Yeah. But the impression that I got is if I was a soul mm-hmm. in this church, I'd never come back. Except yeah. maybe for that sister. She right. was very kind. Yeah. But I wouldn't come back because no one took the time to sit by you, yeah, to give you attention, right. to embrace you, to call you in. It was it was not a warm church. Yeah. I think that local churches have a lot of work to do yeah. regarding making people feel like Wow. Even baptized people. You're a part of us now. Yeah. And we're embracing you. I think the churches need to, we're not talking about the church, but I think that, yeah, first focus is the church. We really need to become a church that's reaching out and embracing these people. Yeah. For those people that are coming into the church, the disciplines of the word, building your relationship with Mm -hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ, which they have to be taught how to do, and then coming to church. If you don't do anything else, just go to church consistently and submit to the authority of your pastor learn as much as you can mm. and even those things it's kind of like telling a baby eat your food yeah they they have no clue yeah. you know you have to feed them you have to show them keeping people in the church and having them grow up in the faith has to do with you know discipleship and and if the church is called to do something, it's called to do that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, final question here. Second um, Timothy four six says, uh, "Is this Apostle Paul talking to Timothy? Um, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand." Um, if you were in a similar 
situation. God forbid that you pass away anytime soon. I'm not trying to suggest anything like that. It'll happen. We need all of our, we need all of the men of God that are in our lives, you know, to stay as long as, as they can, you know, I'm ready. our voices. <laughs> but I'm if ready. you knew that you only had, let's say a week and, and you knew my time is coming, but you had an opportunity to give a commission to new pastors, uh, new individuals just coming in and trying to find their place in the kingdom of God. Uh, what are some of the last commissioning words that you would give to this new generation of ministers trying to do great things in the kingdom of God in these end times? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think what I would tell them, they're already men of God, so I'm assuming they already have a relationship with God. But I would tell them, number one, pursue Christ passionately. Yeah. Everything significant that happens in ministry that's really significant, that's life-changing, any ministry that is more than just applauded by men but mm. is applauded by God is born in a deep and significant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would say pursue Christ passionately. If that's an area that's lacking in your life, man, get to it because there are going to be born all of the graces and the strength and the anointing and the power that God yeah. is going to yeah. give you. If there's one thing you can do above everything else is pursue him. Yes. And the, the next thing I would tell them is, 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 uh, is, um, is to, is to fan the flame, hmm. always fan the flame. We're all human. We're leaky vessels. You yeah. know, yeah. we, we, we need, we need, we need to know the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're leaky vessels and discouragement will come. Yeah. Challenges will come. So you need to connect yourself. And the way that I, I tell people to find the flame is not just go to seminars and yeah. be at church all the time, but find a mentor. Yeah. Find someone that you really love. And this should happen early in ministry. Yeah. shouldn't happen later in ministry. Yes. Find someone that you really love and that you build a good relationship, trusting relationship with yeah. them. And, um, and, and, Whenever you're feeling deflated or discouraged or whatever, be honest and sincere. Talk to that individual. Let them fan the flame yes. of the Holy Spirit that yes. is in you. Amen. A relationship with God, a relationship with a godly man, yeah. or in the case of young ladies, a godly woman, are, are two huge things that I would encourage yeah. the young men to do. And the yeah. third thing that I would tell them is, is, like we've already talked about, you know, wait patiently. And live right now as if you're in the will of God. Yes. And as if you're precisely where God wants you to be at this moment. Yes. Take full advantage of this moment of ministry that God has given to it and live it to its fullest potential. And then trust God for your future. Yes. He's going to take you exactly where he needs you to be. Amen.